Welcome to the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, an archive of Robert Lewis's sermons while at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following podcast is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. As you listen to it, we hope it will give you both personal encouragement and spiritual inspiration to live better as a man. Mom is a very, very important influence in a man's life, as we're going to find out in this session. I want to make um, one qualification here as I start. So every guy look at me just for a moment. I'm not picking on your mother. Okay? What I'm going to be doing here this morning is we're going to be exploring the influence of a mom on a man's life and how sometimes unknowingly that influence which she meant for good, can end up as a wound in a man's life. In their book, The Mom Factor, doctors Henry Cloud and John Townsend write these words. They say, other than dad, no one has influenced more the person you are today than your mother. The way she has handled your needs as a child has shaped your worldview, your relationships, your marriage, your career, your self-image, your life. What we learn in our relationship with our mother deeply affects every area of our adult life now. And we know that to be true. Mom goes deep in the male psyche. You know, a lot of times they have recorded airline pilots right as they're going down to crash, you know, in those little black box. Recently, as they were replaying one of those little black boxes as the pilot was trying to get control of the aircraft right before it hit the ground. The last words were, Mom. It's kind of like it went all the way down to the primal beginning of life. And there at the very core stands Mom. She's a powerful influence over a man's life. Unfortunately, sometimes that influence that mother has in your life leaves a wound. Kevin is but one illustration of this. Let me just read you an illustration of the life of Kevin. Kevin loved his wife. He adored her, but he was not strong enough in his own right to say no to her. The chief area that he experienced this was was in his own need for time with a hobby or with friends. When he wanted space in which to pursue a hobby or to be with friends, she wanted him home. And he could not stand up for his own separateness. He would comply and then resent her. And then his love feelings would begin to disappear for her. This pattern continued until finally his resentment built up to the point that he actually left her. He complained that he felt smothered and controlled. What he could not see, what he could not see, what he could not see, was that this was his own fault. Kevin had never established boundaries with his own mom. A strong-willed woman, she was content to be in control of him, and he had never left her. So instead of leaving mom and cleaving to his wife, he turned his wife into mom and left her instead. This is one of the most common divorce scenarios that occur in men's lives. Men see the controlling woman as the problem and they fail to deal with their own flimsy flimsy boundaries. 
if they had established good boundaries with their mothers, they would not fear being controlled by their wives or their girlfriends. Stop controlling me! Would turn into, no, I don't want to. Men often see their wives and girlfriends as the controlling mothers that they're not strong enough to deal with, and so they leave. Now, I tell you the story of Kevin because I want you to see a point here, one that you're going to recognize real quickly, and that's just this. Much of what Kevin was dealing with in his marriage, remember this, was simply this. Unfinished business. He's still walking around with mom's apron strings. He didn't know it. He never analyzed it. He never did what we talked about several weeks ago, and that is looking back to find out why I am the way I am. He deals ignorantly in the now, fighting phantoms that he can't see, and thinking this person's the problem when the roots go way back to that suitcase that he carries and the apron that's within it. This is what we call the mom factor. And it's prevalent in a lot of men's lives, believe it or not. A healthy relationship with mom requires two significant breaks, guys. The first is from physical bondedness. Most of you know about that one. That physical birth requires this newborn who's been part of the mother's body for nine months. Like you, when at one point you were literally one with your mother for those nine months. Suddenly there comes a moment where you have to be separate from her. But to be separate from her requires an unnatural break, one that she can't necessarily do for herself. And at birth, there has to be this cutting of the umbilical cord. Now, I happen to be at the birth of all four of my children. And I can still see, as sometimes the kids like to replay their birth moment, where I'm in there with the camera moving around, and I helping coach my wife to breathe, and all the things that I learned in those, those classes. And I can still see, in the birth of my last son, the camera's going, and and uh, Dr. Quay pulls my son out of the womb and holds it up. And he's from Taiwan. He says, Dad, it's a boy. Come, cut cord. And you see the camera, and then you see these scissors come out in the camera, and there's the umbilical cord. And I start cutting that cord in two. And suddenly, a transformation takes place. And that is that my son goes from being one with his mom to separate from his mom. Now, for us, not having experienced that personally, that seems like a rather routine thing that occurs just in birth. But did you know that for many moms, that is deeply significant, that moment? Because in that cut, the uncomfortable re the, that, that comfortable relationship that mom had with her child, that she had grown accustomed to, that was easy for her now, that she had experienced over those months, suddenly that radically changes. And she can no longer relate to the child the way she once did. That relationship has literally been cut off. 
And a change has occurred. And for some women, that change is so difficult emotionally that she suffers from what is called postpartum blues. Have you heard that? If you've heard that, raise your hand just for a moment. Let me just say, everybody's heard of postpartum blues. Sometimes it becomes postpartum depression because it's so difficult to deal with. Literally, after the parting, blues. Because the relationship has changed. Now, most every woman eventually gets over that in this transition from oneness to separateness. But there's a second separation that a lot of moms don't make and never get over or have difficulty handling. It is a separation that's far more important than cutting this physical umbilical cord. It occurs when a son is seeking to go from being a mama's boy to being a man in his own right. And in that moment, another kind of cut is desperately needed. That cut is the cut from emotional bondedness. And it's extremely important. But for a mom to willingly give up or lose her emotional hold over your life and my life, that is a very traumatic thing that far exceeds the physical separateness. A lot of cultures recognize that. It's interesting that many primitive cultures recognize the need for that emotional cut. Not long ago, I was reading a story of a primitive tribe, and they have a very elaborate ceremony to bring that about. When the child is just about at puberty, the son is just about at puberty, the tribe arranges for this traumatic moment. The women in the tribe are given kind of a heads up on it, but late in the night, the men in the tribe dress up as warriors and they come beating drums with lighted torches and yelling and screaming and they rush into the mother's house or the mother's hut and grab the child, the son, and the mother, knowing all this is going to happen, still plays into it and she's screaming, my boy, my boy, and he's screaming, mama, 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 and the, the warriors pull the son from the mother's arms. And as he cries and reaches out for mom, they, with drums beating, carry the son out into a new life. And from that day forward, he lives with the men, never to live with mama again. And in that traumatic cut, he understands, as painful as it is, that he's no longer to relate to mama. He's to relate to the community of men. He's crossed over. Now, in that, it requires that mama wants to let him go, right? And I'm sure if we went into that tribe, there are a lot of mothers that would rather keep their sons right there in the hut with them for the rest of their life. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. Where in America in the good old U.S. of A. Do we have a clear place for such an emotional separation between mother and son? And the answer is, we don't, do we? There's no clear place along the road of life. And that is why, gentlemen, many men are still emotionally bonded 
with mom in one way or another. Now, we're going to explore some of the different ways. Some of them are very deeply entrenched. Some of them are just lightly connected. But because there's no clear separation, a lot of guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s still have this connection to both worlds. And that's why it's difficult for them to fully and separately identify into the world of men and to express manhood at a deeply emotional level because there's still ties back to mom. Here's how Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend summarize all this. They say, to understand what is going on with men in their relational world, we must first look at some developmental patterns in their childhood. In the beginning, the young male is connected to mom. If things go well the attaching, with the attaching mom, he learns to feel comfortable with his dependency on her. Bonding, needing, and connecting are comfortable for him, and he enjoys being close. He's one with mom. But then he begins to separate from her in the second and third year of life and moves out of oneness into a separate identity. It's important that he not only become a separate person, but that he become secure in his gender identity. Later, as he moves away from mom and towards dad for identification with male identity, he accomplishes two things. One, he becomes a separate person, attaching to his father and gaining more autonomy from the oneness with mom. And secondly, in his attachment to his father and identification with him as a male, he gains gender identity. From this strong base, he becomes someone who is comfortable with connection and dependence on someone, but separate enough to be autonomous and an individual away from his object of dependency. He also becomes secure in his male identity. In short, he can love mom and be independent from her all at the same time. And then later he finds a woman to whom he can have a significant attachment and he marries. And with all of this secure identity, he is strong and separate with his new love when it comes to boundaries and limits. And he stays free of her control. And yet he's comfortable with both his and her perfections and now sees her as a person he can relate intimately with. And in this way, he's, become, he's come full circle. He has successfully returned to the woman, but as an individual in his own right. So, real health for a man goes this way. Let me just give it to you in this little diagram. You can fill it in. From oneness with mom literally to a healthy physical separation to a healthy emotional separation to finally a healthy oneness with a woman relationally called his wife. Did you know the book of Genesis pictures this really well? Just in one phrase in Genesis chapter 2, here's the way it says it. For this cause, that speaking of marriage, of ultimately moving into an intimate relationship with a woman, for this cause a man shall leave, and by the way, the word in Hebrew there, leave, is to cut. It's speaking of this cutting, just like cutting an umbilical cord. Shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave in a healthy way to his wife and they are able to become one flesh. And the reason they're able to become one flesh is because his ties are not back to his family. And in particular, as we're talking about this morning, he's still not connected with his mom. 
That's how he can relate successfully to his wife. Now that's the way it should be, but often it's not. Because often mom, for one reason or another, in one way or another, refuses to let go. And that creates what I call the mother wound. Let me give you a definition for the mother wound. Here's what it is. It's an unhealthy emotional relationship with mother that causes a son to either be threatened by the influence of women later on in his life or to over-identify and become submissive to that influence. Now, when I first taught this material years ago, I added this mother wound almost as an afterthought. I added it because I'd had some of that in my own life with my mom, filling in for my dad. But I had no idea how pervasive it was in men's lives across our community until I began to teach it and then get the response that I did. And as other pastors in other cities and other locations have taught this same experience, they've said, you know, this is really an issue with men. So if you're out there as a man here this morning and you're feeling, even now as I talk about some of these things, you're feeling, boy, there is something there for me. But I'm probably... There's probably something wrong with me. Most guys aren't attached to their moms, are they? Let me tell you, a lot of guys in some funny ways are. So don't feel alone. Remember what we learned about men's fraternity? This is a safe place and you're not alone. A lot of people in this room that can identify with what you're feeling maybe even now. It's an unhealthy emotional bondedness in some ways that later on in adult life cause you to have different responses to women and how you relate to a woman. And by the way, how you're relating right now to your girlfriend or your wife has attachments back at home. And if they're unhealthy attachments, it's called the mother wound. Now, here's some important characteristics about this wound. First, this wound is not blatant. <laughs> this wound is subtle. When we've been talking about the father wound, we're talking about a nasty gash that guys feel. It's a ragged cut that bleeds and you can see it. And guys know they have it. But a mother wound is like a paper cut. You've had a paper cut where you've done it and stung and you look down and you can't see anything. It's almost invisible. But the point is, whether it's a nasty gash or it's a paper cut, eventually both of them bleed, don't they? They both bleed. That's the mother wound. Secondly, this wound is not one of abuse. The mother wound is not one of abuse. It's not mom being bad. It's not one of neglect or even absenteeism. It's a wound disguised as love and care. And that's, that's part of the reason this wound is so hard to deal with because it looks so nurturing and caring and loving. It's what I... It's, it's the Trojan horse. Do you, some of you guys, if you remember your Greek mythology, you remember the Greeks trying to conquer the city of Troy and they couldn't get in because the walls were so high. So what they did is they built this giant wooden horse and they gave it to the Trojans as a gift. At least the Trojans thought it was a gift. Inside were enemy soldiers. And they set the horse outside the gates and they opened the gates and brought the horse in thinking, gosh, look at this wonderful gift. And then they went to sleep and... Then the top of the horse opened and the enemy soldiers got out and the Greeks conquered the city. That's the way the mother wound works. You invite it in because it comes in as a gift. But inside, once it opens, 
or things of hurt. They weren't intended to. That's how it actually impacts a man's life. Thirdly, this is not a wound of inattention like it is with the absent father wound. This is a wound of over-attention. It's over-involvement and over-identification with. It's over-concern which keeps the relationship between a son and a mother over time fused and connected in inappropriate ways. Fourth, this is a wound that looks like love, but over time it feels like control. It looks like love, but it feels like control. This is also wound number five that's so powerful that in adulthood it can wrongly shape or warp the masculine psyche. Guys, I've talked to men over the last 15 years, and I know of men who are still tethered to mom's wishes, to mom's feelings about him and his marriage and his children and what he does, still tethered in some emotional way to mom's control over him, even though they're 40 years old or 50 years old or even 60 years old. Now, sometimes we can just sit back and kind of laugh about it, like this cartoon here that I want to put up. Take a look at the cartoon for a moment. This guy's at a psychiatrist, and it says at the bottom, next session, Mrs. Bentlow, I'd like your son to solo. And there he is. He knows he's got problems. He's come to see the psychiatrist, but mom's going to be right there with him, still taking care of him. You know, when I was about 16, I began to feel that love that felt like control. As my dad had problems, as I've talked to you about, and mom filled that vacuum, as mothers often responsibly have to do. After a while, though, as they had their war with each other over the different issues in their life, we were called in by mom. As she loved us and dad was absent, she expected in that love for us to be loyal. And my two brothers obediently followed whatever criticisms or thoughts she had about my dad. I was the only one that could look at it for whatever reason. Maybe it's just personality. And I thought, you know, there's certain things that we could do here that could help both of you, but you're going to have to both give a little. I kind of, as I said, got called in to be the negotiator. But let me tell you, when your mom is giving you a lot of love and expects loyalty, you don't negotiate. You just obey. And every time I didn't obey, I paid a huge price. I was alienated, criticized. I was called every name in the book. And all I wanted to see as a little 16-year-old is just my mom and dad love each other. But see, it wasn't about love. It felt like love. It presented as love. But it demanded control. And that's what happens in a lot of guys' lives because they love their moms. We all love our moms. But oftentimes that love can turn sour if we're not careful. Now, let's just ask the question, how does this wound occur? Well, I want to give you just kind of two general reasons I think will be obvious to everybody in light of what we've been talking about. First, it often begins with an absent or distant father. Doesn't mean that dad's not in the home. He may be in the home, but he's just not involved in the home. And so mom tends to move in and fill the void in some ways. And there are 
There are kids that are going to be going to school here in the next few moments all over the city of Little Rock who mom is filling the void. Dad's making the money, but mom's filling the void because dad's absent one way or another. And I told you that in the last 50 to 100 years, our modern society has given young men more and more over to the world of women. They grow up in homes where mom is the primary presence because dad's not there. They go to schools where the school teachers are primarily women. They go to churches where in their grade school classes, they primarily have female mentors. And so their whole world becomes a world of women and they have to figure out masculinity in absentia without men. And now, interestingly, there's a new phenomenon in the last 20 years where more and more sons are finishing college and stuff like that and coming back home to live with mom and dad. And dad's thinking they need to get out on their own. But mom's welcoming them back. Come on, live with us, son. Wash you. I'll wash your clothes. I'll continue to feed, feed you. I'll take care of you. I want to continue to be your mom because there's no cut. There's no break. That's so unhealthy. Sociologist Marion Levy has written that the overabundance of female mentors, I'm quoting him now, with little interaction with male mentors, here's what he says, is a historical peculiarity unlike anything we've ever seen. And the product we are reaping is what he calls the feminized man. I want you to look at that term just for a moment. The feminized man. What is that? Don't confuse it, guys, with the effeminate man. The man who has feminine physical characteristics or mannerisms. That's not what we're talking about. The feminized man can be the toughest, roughest guy you ever want to be around on the outside but he can still be feminized. A feminized man who's one, who's, is a man who has learned to act or think in ways that are more appropriate for women. He's passive oftentimes. He waits. He doesn't initiate. He doesn't lead. He follows. He doesn't take risk. He lets somebody else assert themselves in the moment. But he's strong and tough looking. But he defers and he defers in this generation with a lot of young men to women. Let them be the warrior, the risk taker, the leader. The roles are reversed. And our culture is pumping out dogma that reverses the roles while it claims to be making them equal. And with young men being in the world of women and hearing all of that, Suddenly their world is turned upside down and if there's not a dad there to help correct that, which oftentimes there's not since 40% of young people growing up in America today without fathers, it creates tremendous emotional confusion and it keeps sons connected to mom. So it begins often with an absent dad. A second cause though, more general, it's inflicted by four types of moms. One of four types of moms. And this can be dad in the home and involved in the home, but it can still be inflicted by one of four types of moms. The most common is what I'm just going to call the ignorant mom. The ignorant mom. Now when I say ignorant, not ignorant in her intelligence. She can be brilliant. But ignorant in the sense that she doesn't understand the power she has 
over a son's life. And so today, with the idea of manhood being so vague and with uh, a little by dad to help a boy know how he joins the community of men, she by default, by default, continues to interact with her son in ways that she always has. As a mom to a boy. And she's still talking. She's still talking to her son like a boy. She stays oblivious to the need her son has to disconnect from her emotionally. She's ignorant that he needs to develop a healthy separateness in his masculinity. He's 18 years old and she's still going and waking him up for school. Do you know sons like that in your home? She's still covering for him, still driving him to his doctor's appointment or making an appointment for his haircut or writing his checks. She's, she's so over-involved with love that she is suffocating his masculinity. No wonder when the camera goes on the sports uh, uh, moment on television, all those young athletes wave to mom. Hi, mom. You're number one. Absolutely. They may be 23 years old, but she's still taking care of them. That's what I mean. And they're not doing it because they want to hurt their sons. Just the opposite. They want to love their sons, but they're loving them too much. And they just don't understand it. And there's no community of men that come in and say, Enough! We're going to cut that cord. Secondly, what I call needy hurting moms. Uh, this is women who, for one reason or another, have lost their relationship with their own husbands, and so their son is grafted in as the next best male companion. In a sense, they marry their sons. Uh, their, their son becomes an unsuspecting surrogate husband to fill in some way unmet needs in her. And as the son seeks to move into adulthood, losing him for the mom means that she's going to become lonely and alone. And so she tries to hold on. She tries to stay in touch. She gets over-involved. She becomes intrusive in the son's life as he moves into adulthood. And even after he gets married, she moves into the marriage with him in one way or another. And oftentimes that creates conflict in his marriage between him and his wife. The wife says, why can't you keep mom out of our lives? And the son just wilts because he doesn't know how. Then thirdly, there's unwilling to release moms. These are the strong and strong-willed dominant types of mom who want and need control. They're the ones who say to their son when he's 28 years old, John, you and Mary are coming to our house for Christmas, aren't you? And he's powerless to say no. We need to stay home for Christmas this year with our kids. She's the one who comes over to John's house and says, John, you don't mind if I smoke if she lights up. She's the one that says, Carl, your children need this, or your house needs that. 
and then goes out and buys it for him without his approval or his wife's approval. And the wife says, send it back. We don't need her being involved like that. But he finds himself suddenly in this rock in a hard place. And, and now he's between two women and he doesn't know what to do and he loses the respect of his wife as he stays bonded to his mom. And if the wife does stand up to, to his mother, then there's real problems because he's got divided loyalties. And boy, what a war that is. Then finally, there are the fill-in-the-gap moms. That's where dad is absent all the time, so mom, of course, fills the gap, but in doing so, she bonds too deeply to her son. The thing she really needs to do, and the thing that I encourage moms like that to do, is to find male mentors whether it's Boy Scouts or a church group or an older man to get involved. But oftentimes she won't do that. What she'll do is she'll stay involved in his life and try to cover for the dad who left, divorced, died, or whatever. And by the way, next week when we talk about how to resolve this wound, we're going to see that Jesus had that problem with his mom. And I think you're going to get some surprising insights next week. Well, this is how the wound is inflicted. Let's just look now at how this wound manifests itself in adulthood. Basically, this wound creates in men one of two extreme responses. And I want to give you a quote from Prentice Tipton, an African-American who wrote in a journal called The Crisis in Black Manhood, but it's a great insight into men, all men, although he's addressing the African-American community. He says this, when mothers lead the family because the fathers fail to lead, either by absenting themselves from the home or taking a passive role. He says, boys are deprived of the most important natural model of manliness. Growing up mainly under the supervision of women, many experience insecurity over their identity as men. Now I'm going to put the quote on the screen. One tendency, Tipton says, for boys growing up in such circumstances is to rebel against women who are authorities over them and become socially disruptive irresponsible in family and work commitments, overly assertive about their manly prowess, especially in sexual areas, are leading lives characterized by violence and crime, alcoholism, and other addictions. In other words, he says, growing up in a home of a mom that's over-involved without dad, one of the tendencies that will be created in the son's psyche is to rebel, rebel against that suffocating control and become overly dominant in his own right or disruptive. A second tendency, he says, is for young men to identify with the adult women who are authorities in their lives and then learn to behave or react in ways that are more appropriate to women than to men. They become what I call soft males. To the extent that young males take either option, they do not learn the discipline, the responsibility, and the character involved in being a man. So, on your outline, here are the two responses that this wound creates in later adult life, and you can see if either one of these apply to you. Here's the first one. Men become dominant and controlling towards women if they had an overly involved mom at home. There are some sons, part of it's their personality, I believe, but there's some sons in that environment, and I think I was one of them, I was one of three sons, I reacted differently than my two brothers. But there's some sons who don't like all that over-attention. 
and that over-involvement. They feel suffocated by it, so they contend against mom during their years underneath her care. And rather than folding into mom's over-involvement, they fight like crazy against it. They compete and they contend with it and they resent it. But the problem is, is that's how they learn to relate to women. So then they go out in adulthood and they relate to the other women in their lives that way. And they see all women as a possible threat to their independence and sense of masculinity. And they come to fear intimacy because if they get too close to a woman, that woman might control them. And so they always keep this kind of barrier up. Or what they do instead is they try to find a woman they can control. And they seek to marry women that they can be safe with, but primarily rule over. And they become tyrants in their home. And anytime that soft woman tries to express her rights and her needs, he sees that as you're trying to take control of me. So he becomes even harder and more dominant over her life. Do you see that? And the whole time he's trying to suppress her, he doesn't understand that a lot of that goes back to home because he doesn't know how to maintain a relationship with another fully formed individual who has rights and needs and expressions and equalities of her own. So he contends with women in his life. That's one of the way it manifests itself. And it can do it in varying degrees. It doesn't have to be a harsh tyrant. But, you know, if your wife starts saying, now, why did you buy that car? You know, we talked, we were on a budget. And you went out and bought a new car today and you find yourself getting furious because you think, all of a sudden, you're trying to take control of me. When really what you did is act irresponsibly. It may be because back there, you're still fighting the shadow. Some men become dominant and controlling towards women. I think the greater number of men have the second response in adulthood. They become passive and submissive towards women. And guys, I want you to know, in the guys under 30, I think this is epidemic today. Because of an earlier relationship with mom, because she overdid it for him, overcared, overnurtured, overdirected, and he led her. He became overly dependent and overly responsive to women. And now as an adult with women, his tendency with a woman, as he gets close to a woman, is to become passive and to lean on her too much. Let her lead too much. Seek to take care of me too much because that's the way mom did. In other words, he pulled out that giant umbilical cord he had to mom. And when he got into adulthood, he pulled it out and he began to look for what other woman can I plug this thing into and suck all these things that I need for me, care and concern, taking my feelings and lead me and provide for me from her. And so he tends to go out and marry a stronger woman. He, and when he marries that stronger woman in their day-to-day -day relationship, you can see it. Because when they encounter issues, he waits for her rather than initiate. He shuns risk-taking. He struggles in making decisions. He places a high emphasis on his feelings. He prefers other approval, other people's approval, especially his wife's before committing. 
And he looks like a man, but he acts in characteristics that are a little more feminine. He becomes a soft male. And what he wants in a woman is a mother wife. And he finds it. And she marries him. And at the beginning, she thinks she's marrying a sensitive male, the alpha male. But in time, she learns to resent him because he won't lead and he won't protect and he won't take risk and he won't step forward. And she gets tired of it. He's passive. The healthy path with mom should have been physical and emotional oneness with mom in the early years and then a healthy and complete separation in the middle years and then finally a healthy relational oneness with a woman in the final years. Marriage. That's the way it should be. Unfortunately, for a number of men, it's not that way in varying degrees. So the question is, how do you heal this overly bonded with mother wound? And how do you cut this invisible umbilical cord? Those are good questions, aren't they? And those are the questions we're going to answer next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Robert Lewis Sermon Podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please rate and review this podcast. In addition, share this with your friends and community. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about the team at soundofarose.com.